0: Hey, we're in our series right now called Holy Habits. And uh, man, I'm just so glad that, that uh, you're here to be a part. For those that are joining us online, welcome. We're so excited that you're, you're in this series with us. We've been really at the beginning of the year talking about change, transformation. What does that look like in our lives? We said that hope can bring some change, but really it doesn't bring all the change, habits do. And last, uh, two weeks ago, we, we started off this whole series with this idea that if you want to change your life, you got to change your habits. And if you want to change your habits, you got to let God change your heart. It's kind of the premise of really this whole series has been coming back to that of what, what is God doing in our hearts? I'm not so much concerned about how much weight you lose, which I hope if that's a goal that that happens this year or that you, you make more money or that you know, relationships go really well. And I pray that that happens. We pray that that would be the fruit of that. But more than anything, I I want for our church and for those who are here to know that, man, God is so after your heart. That's what he's after. And so this whole series has been built around of what are the things that that we can, what are practical things that we can do in our life for that? And then what are just spiritual things that we need to be incorporating in our life? As Alyssa shared next week, his life group launch, I'm going to talk about the habit of relationships next week. And I'll dive into why relationships are so crucial for you to live this life of holiness, this life that's pursuit of God, and what relationships have to do with that. Then, in the next week after that, I'm just going ahead and letting you know, I'm gonna talk about uh, the habit of forgiveness and how do we walk in forgiveness, specifically in relationships and with people. Uh, I think that's a place that if you wanna keep your heart clean, how many know you need to learn to forgive? And But let's all agree, can we all agree in here, forgiveness can be hard, uh, especially if you don't feel like people are, you know, worthy of that forgiveness. So we'll dive into that in the next week and then so forth. We'll see wherever God wants to do. So those are the next two weeks. Today though, um, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to articulate this message as best as what I feel like the Lord has put on my heart. This has actually been a message that I've been waiting to preach since all of last year. Uh, it's been something that I've been really knowing that I need to bring to our church, but I've just been waiting for the opportune time. All of this week, if you don't know, I'll, I'll give you a little bit of a sneak peek into my rhythm of sermon writing, and that is that I designate, uh, I usually will be thinking about it for you know weeks, sometimes months ahead, just writing down things. And then I spend the week of, I, I designate my Tuesdays, that's usually the day that I designate. Lori clears my whole calendar, she's my assistant. And I designate the whole day just to be before the Lord and just to ask the Lord, Lord, what do you you wanna say? And I will usually write my message within a day. That's usually what it comes to. I did that this past Tuesday. I got to Tuesday night, literally into Tuesday night. I had dinner with my family, and then I told Lindsay, I need to keep working on this. I started working on it more. Tuesday night, I wasn't done. Wednesday morning, I woke up. I was in early morning prayer, and then I'm like, I'm gonna spend today. So I cleared my whole calendar, and Wednesday, I spent all day working on this message, Tuesday and Wednesday. And uh, Wednesday night, finally, late Wednesday night, I felt like, okay, we're, I, I think we're where God wants it to be. And I know that the enemy does not want me to share this message. I know that. I know that he uh, has, man, just battled so much in my own heart as I've started pinning this. And here's why. Because I think if you can begin to realize the priority and the importance of this habit in your life it will open up your relationship with God in a way you've never experienced God. If you reject this habit and you're like, I don't think that's really for me, I'm gonna tell you what I think would happen. I think you'll stay in shame. I think you'll stay stuck. I think you will continually be in a place where you feel like God is not close to you, that he's distanced from you. I think you'll also come to a place where your relationships will suffer more than you can imagine, and and ultimately, your relationship with God will suffer the most. This message is gonna be for those that are in the house that are not followers of Jesus, and if you're here, if you're watching online, you're not a follower of Jesus, I'm so glad that you are here. I just want you to hear me. A lot of our service is dedicated to hopefully praying that you would come to a knowledge of your deep need for Jesus and his love for you. This message is also dedicated to those that are in the house that are saved, Um, but you don't live it. You don't live it. And honestly, if people followed you uh, outside of you coming to maybe church, they could never even tell that you actually are Christian. And then this message is also geared towards those who maybe are living in it, but you're stuck in something in your life and you can't get past it. It just seems like you just keep every time, like, no more, I'm not doing this anymore. No, I'm not doing this anymore. and You just keep getting to this place. So, this message is gonna go across the board and uh, man, we've got a packed house this morning and uh, we'll see how God wants to do at the end, but I, I wanna I want start off today with um, just, just kind of sharing that. Um, I, I always wanna create a church where lost people feel like they can come. I always want to have a church where hurting people feel like they can come I want to create a church where those who have a lot of questions about God can feel like they can come. I, I, I love people with a deep passion, and I always want people to know that. But I'm going to tell you one thing, and you may or may not like this. I way more desire to please God than you. So I know I would get six claps. I know because y'all want me to please you more than God. In order for me to please God more than you means I have to say some things that you may not like, but you need. So, are you ready? (laughs) I say all that to say, are you ready? (laughs) Because where we're going today, I'm just going to let you know, and I want to say this on the front end as well. For those who are in Christ, Romans 8 says, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Jesus Christ. But we so quickly think that if we are starting to feel uneasy, that's condemnation. The Holy Spirit brings conviction. That's totally different. That's totally different. So today, uh, as the Lord is doing whatever he wants to do, um, we're just going to let him do what he wants to do. Today, uh, I am speaking on the habit of holiness. The habit of holiness I've titled this message, How to Live Holy in an Unholy World. And when you hear the word holiness, that word can strike fear in a lot of people because there's been legalism that's been attached to that word. And there have been many pastors and many church leaders and many churches that have used the word holiness to beat people up. Be holy. You need to be holy and they have used it to control people, they've used it to manipulate people, they've used it to uh, coerce people to give. Like if you don't give, then then God won't do this. If you don't do this, then God won't do this. And there's a lot of that that is used within the idea of the holiness movement. There are churches that are holiness churches and, and I'm all for holiness and I want us to be a holy church. The Bible says that God is coming back for a bride that is holy and blameless and spotless before him. This is what God desires for us, but God desires for us to want holiness in our own lives. And uh, we'll dive a little bit into this more, but I want to start today with a verse that's found in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 14, and it says this, it starts with this, it says pursue, everybody say pursue, pursue, pursue peace with everyone, that's a good thing to do. We'll talk about that in a couple of weeks when we get into this forgiveness and the idea of relationships and how that works. But it also says that not only should we pursue peace with people, it says we should also pursue what? Come on, let's say it like we mean it, pursue Someone, if you're watching online, put that in the chat. Type in the word holiness. We're called to pursue holiness. Now, let's break this word down the word pursue. Here, let me give you a working definition of both of them pursuit and holiness. Pursue means to, can we put that on the screen? There it goes. It, to chase after with the desire to obtain. To chase after with the desire to obtain. Whenever you hear, uh, you know that there's uh, police cars in pursuit. They are in. They are chasing after someone with the desire to arrest, to obtain. When uh, when I met Lindsay uh, a year into our uh, knowing each other in our internship, and God revealed, like opened the blinders off of my eyes and was like, this woman, I went into pursuit mode with the desire to obtain. So you know what I did? I chased, I called, I texted, I called and I texted and I dated and I wooed. Got my woo on. All right. And she was she was wooed right off her feet. And I obtained why well, I was in a pursuit I was in the pursuit of Lindsay There's this desire there. And just as much as I did that in the natural for a relationship the writer of Hebrews is telling us that we should as well pursue desire chase after to obtain not just peace with people but but holiness, that word holy means to be, to be set apart, to be sacred, that we are to be set apart for the Lord. This is what we see in the Old Testament. You see this actually all throughout the Old Testament and the New Testament, the children of Israel, the story of Exodus is that they are called to come out of slavery, to be set apart as God's chosen people, and we know we fast forward into the New Testament, and the gospel doesn't just go to the Jews, now it goes to the Gentiles, and all of us are now invited into the family of God, but as we're invited into the family of God, we're invited to set apart, to be set apart as God's chosen people, as holy people, this is what what first Peter tells us we are a chosen race, a holy nation, royal priesthood called to be set apart from those around us, meaning that as followers of Jesus. And now if you're not a follower of Jesus, you can just go ahead and opt out what I'm about to say here. This doesn't apply to you. But for those who say, I'm a follower of Jesus, I pursue Jesus with my heart. That means that there should be something so uniquely different about you than people who don't follow Jesus. You are so set apart. You're in the world, but you're not of the world. Now, I hear people immediately automatically say, well, Pastor Josh, doesn't the the blood of Jesus make us holy? And you know what the answer is? Yes, it absolutely does make us holy. But we've got to remember that there are two types of holiness. Holiness. Oftentimes people will think that it is only just the blood of Jesus. And it is true that Jesus, there's nothing that we need to add to Jesus in order to be saved. And if you're taking notes, this is let me give you the two types. The first type is what we would call positional holiness. Positional holiness. Let me show you. Paul says it in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 30. He says, Christ. Notice this: Christ is the one who made us right with God. Christ. Not religion, not good works, not what we have done. Christ is the one who has made us right with God. This is so huge. This is the, this is the story of the gospel that you could not make yourself right with God that our sin separated us from God. But God so loved us that he sent Jesus into this world to live a life we couldn't live, to ultimately die a death that we should have paid for, to ultimately be the substitute for our sins, paid on the cross. He died and he rose again and he has made us right. You didn't do it, I didn't do it, our good works didn't do it. Jesus and Jesus alone did it and that is good news for you and I today. Christ has made us right and he has made us pure And, come on, pure and holy. holy, And he has freed us from sin. The Bible uses a word, and sometimes you can go and read through scripture and you can come across the word and you're like, I don't even know what that means. I'm going to help you here. The Bible uses a word for this. It's called justification. It's a kind of deeper theological word. You ever see justification? It is the act of what Christ did for our behalf to redeem us, to save us, and he, and he justified us. Meaning that when I put my faith in Jesus and in Jesus alone for what he did on the cross, it wasn't Jesus in good works, it wasn't Jesus in church attendance, it wasn't Jesus in giving, it wasn't Jesus in the dream team, it wasn't Jesus in baptism. You got saved not because of any of that stuff, you did that stuff because you are saved, right? And it's just, watch this, and what Jesus did is just as if I never sinned. That's the way I love to think about it. Justification is just as if I never sinned. So when I put my faith in Christ and Christ alone, the Bible says that I am born again. And when God the Father looks at me, he looks at me as just as if I never sinned. That is positional holiness. 20 years ago on April 12th, 2003, in our Savior's Church in Broussard, Louisiana, Lindsay and I both walked down an aisle, looked at each other, and and said, do you, I do, do you, I do, and we got officially married. And on April 12th, 2003, that woman positionally became my wife. She is forever my wife. Guess what? And she's off the market. (laughs) She is officially Set apart for moi, <laughs> and I am officially set apart for all that she wants, all right? We, it, this is the relationship that we have, that I'm set apart for her, she is set apart for me, all right? I am positionally her husband, I got a ring, okay? But a ring doesn't make you a spouse. Come on, a ring doesn't make you a spouse, right? Right? It's a heart posture to be a husband. Are y'all with me? A ring doesn't make me a spouse as much as going to, Christian, going to church doesn't make you a Christian. A ring just shows my love for her and that I'm devoted and dedicated to her and to her alone. She's got a ring on that finger and it's dedicated that she is set apart for me. Now, this is, this is huge here because the day, now this is yet again for those who are born again, those who did make a commitment to following Jesus, the day you said yes to Jesus, I need you to hear this. That moment, Jesus and what he did on the cross made you holy. This scripture says that we are called to be holy. Watch this. Not just to become holy, but to be it. Well, you can only be something if you're made into that. And the moment you said yes to Jesus, you became and you are now what Jesus is, what God is. God is holy, therefore now you are holy. And, and watch this, everybody help me. You will never be more holy than you are right now. Positionally. This is huge here. Positionally, from how God views you, your spirit man comes alive and you are positionally holy before God. But yet we read all throughout scripture in the old Testament and then in the new Testament about almost what would seem like a second type of holiness. And this holiness is called what I would call personal holiness. There's positional holiness and then there's personal holiness. So first Peter chapter one, verse 14 through 15. All right. Yet again, these letters are written to the church it's not written to the people that don't know Jesus. These letters that I'm going to read, most of them in the New Testament, are written to Christian people, followers of Christ, people who have put their faith in Christ. And in 1 Peter, Peter says this, so you must live as God's obedient children. You've said yes to God. You've set yourself apart. You are his and his alone. Hey, watch this, though. Don't. Come on, don't. Don't slip back into your into your old ways of living, all right? To satisfy your own desires, you didn't know any better then, okay? So what he's saying is, hey, listen, there was a moment when you said yes to Jesus, it went from a then to a now. What you were then before Jesus is you satisfied your own desires, your own soul. Your soul is made up of your mind, your will, and your emotions, all right? Your thinker, your chooser, and your feeler. And what Peter is saying, listen, you are obedient children. You've said yes to Jesus. Positionally, you are holy before him, but you need, because now you're all him. You need to make sure you don't slip back to the old type of lifestyle that you used to live. That's the one that you didn't know any better back in those days, which by the way, if you're around lost people and they act lost, don't be surprised. Man, they cuss and drink all the time. Yeah, because that's what they know. That's what they do. That's, that's who they are. It, they don't know any better. But for those who are followers of Jesus, see, he goes on and he says, hey, listen, the next verse, he says, but now, but now, so there was an old you, but now there's a there's a new year, and for anyone who is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things are passed away, and behold, all things are now new. But now you must be? Well, wait, hold up. Talk, wait, time out, time out. I thought, wait, Pastor Josh, he's speaking out of both sides of your mouth. I thought you said we are holy. But now Peter is saying we need to be holy. I, I, I don't understand. This holiness is not talking about that you need to be positionally holy. It's talking about that you need to be personally holy. That now you need to be behaviorally, practically, you need to live out of your new identity, not your old identity. You've got a new identity now, and you're going to be holy in everything you do, just as God who chose you is holy. come on, is, holy. is is holy. So Peter is not talking about positional holiness. He's talking about personal holiness. He's saying, when you said yes to Jesus, some things should have changed. Now, I want you to imagine, okay, I'm going to use our marriage a little bit as an illustration for this, because I think it really helps articulate really the desire for this. I want you to imagine that Lindsay, at the end of the service, we've got all of our prayer team comes forward, and Lindsay comes forward, and she comes to the prayer team, and she says, hey, listen, I need, to, I need y'all to really pray for me. Okay, what, what do we need to pray for? Listen, I need you to pray for me because I, I'm really, really praying that I can be Josh's wife. Can, can you just pray for me? I really, really, really want to be Josh's wife. Can you just pray? How I many know oh, that prayer person, whoever that is, would just start laughing? What is going on? Are, are you not his wife? Well, no, I am, but like, I really, really want to be. Well, wait, are you are or are you not? No, I am, but I just really would like to be his wife. Like, who is confused here? Like, what is going on? On April 12th, 2003, you said that you were going to be his his wife and he was going to be your husband. In that moment, you became his wife. Now watch this, though. So that kind of doesn't seem to make sense. But if she came to the prayer people and said, hey, can you pray for me? How can we pray for you? I really, really, really just want to be a better wife for Josh. There are some things in my heart that I know that are hurting our relationship. And I know we're married. But man, I want to be a better wife for him so our marriage gets even better and better and better. How many know now that makes sense? Everybody? Shake your head if you're following with me so far. Everybody good? Okay, all right. I know, I know we're getting a little... We're getting getting into some some areas where people can get some real confusion there. Now watch this. April 12, 2003, she became my wife. That is justification. Okay? She was declared my wife. Lindsay will not be more my wife 20 years later than she is my wife currently right now. Y'all with me? She is my wife. Watch this. But she can be a better one, and I can be a better husband. That's called, ready? Sanctification. That's the Bible's term for it, sanctification. What is sanctification? It's a big word, I know. Sanctification is you becoming more and more like Jesus. Now, let's all be honest here, okay? And I'm gonna be straight up honest with you myself. When you said yes to Jesus, when you heard the gospel and the invitation for you to give your life to Jesus, and you thought about your life, you're like, man, my life apart from Jesus is terrible, and man, I'm just where I'm at, and man, I need a savior, and I don't only just want to be saved from my sins, man, I want to love Jesus with all my heart, and you said yes, that was an amazing day, or amazing week, or whatever that time frame was when you put your faith and surrendered and trust into him, and you became one of God's own. But let's be really, really honest here. How many of you still had some stinking thinking? Okay. So there's three people in here. Everybody else, go ahead and take your halo off right now for a moment. I'll call you out right now. All right, listen. I won't call. No. We, listen. How many? Your your mind still needed to be washed a little bit. You still have some nasty thoughts in there. You still struggle with some stuff. You still clicked on some things you shouldn't be clicking on. You were scrolling through stuff that you're like, I ah, probably shouldn't be. If Jesus was here, I don't think he would like that. We just keep on scrolling. We keep on scrolling. You, you've done some things. Anybody in here? I know I've done some things. Anybody said some things you regretted? Anybody done some things you regretted? Anybody want to put your week this week up here on the screen so everybody watches it and let's, let's us debate on if you're like Jesus? No, of course not. Nobody does. You know why? Because all of us, all of us, all of us, myself included, need to be sanctified. And guess what? You say, well, at what point will I be like done? When you die. (laughs) Welcome to the family. All right, so when do I become like Jesus? When you see him. So everybody listen. Positional holiness is about birth. Personal holiness is about growth. And we get these things so mixed up sometimes. I'm going to tell you because here's where, we, here's, here's where our, our generation, our nation, our world, but man, so much of it is at odds right now, which is that, hey, God loves me. God loves me. So, so if he loves me, then he should just take me as I am. And I, I, God loves me. I, I, it's, he's got grace. You talk about grace all the time. And that is all true. And he does absolutely, incredibly love you. And he's got incredible grace for you. And because you're a part of his family and you have said yes to Jesus, then yes, he desires that more than anything. But listen, when he caught the woman that was in the middle of adultery, he looked at her and he said, you are forgiven. Positionally, you are forgiven. You are forgiven. But then he says, and go sin no more. That's personally. Are y'all with me? So positionally, yes, you are forgiven, freely, holy. But listen, don't go keep living that way. And we've got some people that have bought in to this idea that if I am positionally born again before Jesus, I can somehow, though, not have to live the other part. So let's read First Thessalonians. Everybody still with me? Okay, all right. 1 Thessalonians chapter four. The apostle Paul says it this way. Yet again, a letter written to believers. And let me pause right here and just say this. Do you know the people who love Jesus the most and were most attracted to him? Lost people. You know the people who were mad at Jesus the most? Religious people. So today I may be offending some religious people. In this room. Because Jesus, if there's anyone he was the hardest on, it was people who claimed to love God, but didn't live like him. And so he says, God's will is for you to be holy, set apart, sacred to him, sacred to him. Was he talking about positional or was he talking about personally? he's talking about both. He wants you to be set apart. So guess what? If you're set apart, you're gonna stay away from sexual sin. And then each of you are gonna control his own body. And you're gonna live in holiness and honor, not in lustful passions like the pagans, who don't know God. You're gonna follow his ways. Then the next verse says, because God has called us to live holy lives. This isn't positional holiness. This is personal holiness. God has called you and I to live holy lives that are set apart from the rest of the world, not impure lives. Why? Because we'll look like the world. And you can't reach a world that you look like. You're going to be set apart from it. And therefore, anyone who refuses to live by these rules is not disobeying human teaching. And listen, if you walk out of here and you are so mad at me, I want you to hear me, and you are so mad at me, this scripture says you're not disobeying what I'm saying. You're rejecting God who gives his Holy Spirit to you. I want you to imagine back again, April 12th, 2003, of Louisiana, Linda and I are standing at the altar. I'm saying, baby, I love you with all of my heart. I sang a song on our, on our wedding. Y'all want to hear it? Y'all want to hear it? I ain't playing it. Forget that. You know, but I did do it. Huh? I wrote, Yeah. Oh, oh that's, that's another level. I wrote the song. Then I sang it boom shagalaga. All right. Now, let me just go ahead and say this. I haven't written another song since. (laughs) It's it's like one of those one-hit wonders. You know what I'm saying? Like, you can't top it. Maybe 25 years. We'll see how it goes. So, April 12th, I'm standing on that stage looking at this beautiful woman that I have been chasing after, texting, calling, wooing. This is the moment. Standing there. Pastor Bubba's there. Pastor Jacob's there. We got... Four or 500 people in the audience, and I make this declaration to her I do, I do, I'll always love you. That was my song, by the way. <laughs> She's over here, I do. I want you to imagine. She goes, Wait, wait, hold up, time out, Pastor Bubba. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Um, can I add one thing, though? Um, <clears throat> Josh, I love you. I want to give everything to you. See, I had this boyfriend, uh, Jack and I were really close, and he, uh, man, I, would it be possible, listen, I'm all yours, but w- would it just be possible one night a month, me and Jack get to go spend the night together? I mean, baby, okay, 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 Uh, three times a year. Okay, one time a year, 364 days, baby, are all yours, but one night, Just, just one. Because the moment she said yes to me was the moment she said no to every other guy. Amen. I want everybody to listen to me very closely. The moment you said yes to Jesus was the moment you said no to your sin, your selfishness, your desires, your flesh, your soul, your wants, your sexual needs, you said yes to Jesus and Jesus gets to control all of that now. And he, listen, if he gave his life, the Bible says that he was so torn up, he was so beaten, he was so scourged that he didn't even look like a man. And he gave his life on a cross to let you and I live in adultery to him. We're fooling ourselves to think that somehow God would allow us to pursue a life of sin that separates us from him and somehow he blesses it when he says, I can't bless what I came to die for. I gave my life for this and I gave my life for you and you want the benefits of heaven, but you also want to do your own thing. We live in a day and age where people have customized Christianity. We have casual Christians who want heaven, but want sex, who want God, but want to do their own thing, who, who, who want to walk into church and lift hands and have holy hands and have the presence of God on your life, but then literally walk out the door and go, but I'll do whatever I want the rest of the week. You don't get to do that. And I'm calling myself to this. Listen, I'm calling myself to this as much as to everybody in here because we bought into a lie that there are different grades of sin. Small sins, you know, lying here or there, a little little clicking on a porn website here or there, a little something. At least I didn't commit adultery. But listen to me. Sin is sin. There's no measure of big or small. Sin is sin and sin separates us from God. And so we can't even let the smallest of things into our life and us to be okay with that. And there are religious people who look down at people who are living an immoral lifestyle or living a sexual lifestyle that is not of God or living with, a, living with their boyfriend or smoking or have an addiction to drugs. And there are religious people who sit in a seat and judge all those people why they themselves are living in sin by judging and pride and gossip. And God says, I am just as upset about that I'm heartbroken for that as I am anything else. And I want you to hear me. Here's the beauty of it all, though, because positionally we are holy before the Lord. So when God looks at us, he sees us not with our our stains and our wrinkles, but but he knows that positionally, personally, there's still a deep work that he's trying to do in our hearts. And I don't know about y'all, but I want the blessings of God. That scripture says we pursue holiness. Why? So we can see God. Why do we need to see God? Because if you can't see him, you can't know him. And if you can't know him, you can't become like him. It starts with us saying, God, I know my spirit's made right before you, but my soul, my mind, my thinking, my choosing, my decisions, they've been, they've been controlled by me, my flesh. Because you're made up of three parts. You've got spirit, soul, and body. God has made your spirit come alive, but then your soul and your body, guess what? That has to come in alignment. And so Isaiah says this, woe to those who call evil good. Woe to those who call evil good. And if you serve on the dream team, but you're disrespectful to your wife, woe to you. Woe to you. Woe to you if you deny that there's even any sin. Woe to you if you hide your sin. You don't need to hide it. God, Hey, listen, everybody. God already knows it. Come on, how many think we're actually hiding something from God? That's like when Joel and I used to play hide and go seek, and he'd have his oxygen tank on, and he'd have his oxygen on, and he'd go run and hide. And I would be like, I don't know where you are. Oh I found you. Look. At the beginning when God when Adam and Sin both sinned and God says, Adam, where are you? Listen to me. It wasn't because he didn't know where Adam was. It was because Adam know Adam didn't know where he was. And there are people in here that God knows exactly where you're at. The question is, do you know where you're at? Do we know where we're at? Woe to us if we rationalize our sin. Oh, it's not that big of a deal. You know, God's okay with that. God loves me, right? Pastor Josh, God loves me. Yeah, he does love you, which is why, which is why. My wife loves me. My wife so loves me. If because my wife loves me, does that give me now permission to go have an adulterous affair? Absolutely. Well, my wife loves me. She just loves me. She's going to stay with me. She's going to be here with me. No. Because the moment I do that, I break something that I've longed for for so long, which is intimacy with her. Why don't I commit adultery with Lindsay? Multiple reasons. One, she'll kill me. Okay, that's just right. Like, She's going to kill me. I'm going a- to... Like, y'all don't have to worry about me. If it happens, you're like, you're dead. All right. She doesn't believe in divorce, but she does believe in murder. So (laughs) I'm just done. All right. We'll ask the Lord forgiveness as it happens. That's not why. One, there's a fear of the Lord on me because I came from a family of broken marriages. And I thought what it did to my family. So I'm going to fight for this. Because I don't want my kids to have to live through that. And there's many in this room that know what that feels like. But I'm going to tell you my greatest reason why I don't go sleeping around with other women. And it's not because there maybe is not desires that spur up but because I love this woman with all of my heart and more than anything, I want us to continue to stay intimate with one another. Not intimate just sexually, intimate where I have her heart. Because the moment that I do that, is the moment I lose intimacy with her. Why do we pursue holiness in all areas of our life? Because I want to continue to have intimacy with Jesus. So many people say, man, I don't, Pastor Josh, I just don't feel God. I don't feel God. Well, the Bible says sin separates us from God. So yes, we are positionally holy before the Lord and God sees us as holy before him and we are blameless before him, but we know that there's things that are in our life that are not right with him and it doesn't draw me away from him. Come on, it draws me to him. It draws me to come to him and go, God, I see this that's in my life. When men and women in scripture encountered the presence of God, I want you to hear me. The scripture that that Alyssa just read earlier or that she referenced, Isaiah, when Isaiah stood before the presence of God, the Bible says that he saw all of the angels going around the throne of God and they were not crying, love, 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 grace, 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 forgiveness, forgiveness, forgiveness. They were crying, holy, holy, holiest Lord. And the Bible says that Isaiah literally says this. It says when Isaiah was in the presence of God, he didn't stand in the presence of God and go, man, this is cool. This is so cool. Look at this. God, man, you're awesome. The Bible says that Isaiah, can we put that? Do we have that scripture? I don't even know if I have the scripture. Do I have it? Isaiah six? Yeah. Then Isaiah says, everybody, let's say it. Come on, say it again. Woe is me, for I am ruined, and I could walk you through passages and passages. You go, oh, that's Old Testament. I could walk you through countless scriptures in New Testament. When John was on the island of Patmos and the Spirit of God came on the island, he said, woe is me. When Peter saw Jesus for who he was, Peter said, he got down on his knees and he says, man, I am a man that is unclean before you. When people encountered the presence of God, guess what? Exposed things in their own heart that was not good, but that was bad, but it was beautiful because it was in front of God and he didn't see me as a sinner. He saw me as a saint, but he Welcomes me and he says, "Get up, my son. Get up, my son. Let's go again. Let's go again. Woe is me, for I am a man of unclean lips. And if you know this story, then God takes the, the angel takes the the, the sapphire uh, uh, the the sword and puts it on his tongue and makes him clean again. And I'm so grateful. I'm grateful that when we expose our our sinfulness to the Lord, He doesn't shy away from us. He draws us in. And he says, I have grace for this, and I, I have mercy for this. So how do we live holy in an unholy world? Number one, we live with a healthy fear of God. Second Corinthians 7.1, let us cleanse ourselves from everything that can defile our body and our spirit. Let us work towards complete holiness because we, everybody help me, because we, Because we fear God. Now, yet again, this is another one of those things that is way uh, wrongly preached. Many people think the fear of God is the fright of God. I'm just so scared of God. What is he going to do to me? But if we know throughout Scripture, we, we, we read it this week in the Lord's Prayer, our Father who art in heaven... That God desires for us as a father to have relationship with him. God desires a relationship with him. Yet I'm saying that I need to have the fear of God not that i need to be scared of God. That, just, that almost seems totally the opposite of it. That I need to run from God? No, 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 no. You need to draw near to God. The fear of God is not the fright of God. The fear of God is an awe and a reverence and a holiness for who he is that he has set apart in our lives. Psalms 25 verse 14 says, the Lord is a friend to those who fear him. That means we don't run from him, we run to him. To fear the Lord, Proverbs 8, is to hate evil. The fear of the Lord is to love what God loves and to hate what God hates and what is important to him because important to us. And I'm just going to say this because it's scriptural and at the end of the day, I just gotta please the Lord. What concerns me more than anything is when we yet again, as Isaiah said, are calling evil good and good evil. And there's going to be a moment where we stand and have to call evil evil and call good good. But we live in a culture where if you do that, you are immediately canceled. And I don't think it's gonna get easier. I think it's actually gonna get incredibly harder. And the only way that you can stand for righteousness, now that doesn't mean, yet again, I don't stand for righteousness in such a way that it pushes lost people away. I hope I stand for righteousness like Jesus and it draws unrighteous to me. And that people who are lost and broken don't run from me because they feel judged, but they run to me, they run to Jesus because they feel his love and his grace and his mercy that is there. But yet God has a standard within that. And it's important for us to understand that standard. What's important to him needs to become important to us. And the moment that we say like, "I ah, we'll just do what we wanna do, YOLO, it's my own life. I can do what I wanna do. That's a dangerous place. Because last time I checked, you are not your own. God made you, he created you, he designed you, he called you, he freed you, he delivered you, he helped you. Now, anybody with me today? It is him and it is him alone. But we get to partner with what God is doing, and so we just have a holy, reverent fear of God. Number two, we submit to the word of God. The moment people start throwing the Bible out, get scared. Get scared. And we've got a culture right now that's like that's an old, antiquated book, it's you know, it's outdated, it needs to catch up with the times. Listen, it don't need to catch up with no times. We need to catch up with it. We need to hear what God's word has to say. We need to submit our life to what God's word has to say. This isn't a buffet. You don't get to cherry pick the scriptures that you want to listen to and you want to obey and throw out the ones you don't. You don't get to do that. I don't get to do that. We don't get to go to scripture and go, well, I don't like that part. Can I just kind of like cut that? (laughs) Let's see if I can just, I'm gonna take that one out and uh, cut, uh, I don't like that one there. Love, oh, I love that one. Heaven, oh, I love that one. Grace, yes, I love that one. Oh, holiness, ooh, uh, death itself. Ah, The moment that you said yes, if you're married in here, you said yes to your spouse is the moment you said no to everything else. And this scripture I love because God's word says that Christ's uh, love for the church is similar to uh, a husband's love for his wife. Uses that correlation in Ephesians 5, 25 to 27. It says, just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, gave himself for her to, why did he do that? Why did he give himself to the cross and to resurrection? Why did he do that? To make her holy. holy. Because he knew that we could not be holy on ourselves. So he came and did what we could not do. And so positionally, yes, we are holy before him. But watch this. Now cleansing her. Another scripture, if you you read a different translation, it says, sanctifying her. There's that word, sanctification. Sanctifying her, making her like Jesus. How does it do it? By the washing of water. Everybody help me. By the? Come on, by the, the? By the word. He did this to present the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or anything like that, but holy and blameless. Question, do you take a bath or a shower? That was an easy one, y'all. Like, that was like, uh, that wasn't a deep one. Um, Okay. Um, Hopefully the answer is yes. If it's not, your neighbors probably know. Um, So that is not just a physical question. That's also a spiritual question. The reason why I bring that up is because people will say, well, Pastor Josh, aren't we cleansed by the blood of Jesus? Answer, yes. But that's not what this scripture says. So wrestle with that one. Wait, 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 Pastor Josh, we're cleansed by the blood of Jesus. There's nothing else beyond the blood of Jesus. Yes, positionally. Positionally. Yes, your spirit is made alive. Your sins are washed clean because of the blood of Jesus, positionally. Now, personally, come on, it it needs, go back to the the verse before that, if you don't mind. It needs some cleansing. What needs some cleansing? Not our spirit. Positionally, we're good. You know what needs some cleansing? Our soul. Come on, how many of your mind needs some cleansing? Flesh needs some cleansing. Cleansing. Some decision makers need some cleansing and it it, gets cleansed by the word. The word is what does the cleansing. So let me put it this way. We are justified by uh, the Holy Spirit. Our spirits are justified, but we're sanctified in our souls. And so the Holy Spirit comes along and that's a part of what he does. And when you submit to the word of God, it doesn't just inform you, I mean, no, it transforms you. We read the scriptures, it's like a mirror and it begins to reflect things in my life. And so whatever you think in your life, you're like, ah, I, I, this is what I think I should do. Go to the scripture and see what God's word has to say. This is why we wanna be people of prayer and people of God's word because, because it takes the lies that you have believed and it begins to put it to God's truth. And the moment that you disregard God's truth is the moment that you live on your truth. And how many of you have ever heard people say, well, that's my truth. How many know, just because it's your truth, don't make it true. Because by the way, there's only one truth, one life, and his name is Jesus. So we got to get into the word of God. If we want to live holy in an unholy world, you've got to get into God's word. You've got to get into it. You've got to let this speak into your life. Number three, you've got to walk with the spirit of God. You gotta walk with the spirit of God. Galatians 5, 16 through 25. So I say, walk by the spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Since we live by the spirit, let us keep in step with the spirit. Now I want you to understand, this is so huge right here. How do I overcome sin habits that are in my life that I want to break? Notice, notice that Paul does not tell us that we should go and stop sinning you don't want to satisfy the desires of your flesh, just stop it. Stop it. Quit it. Just quit it. Have y'all ever tried to focus on quitting something? That's like telling somebody like, don't look over there. And they're like, what? <laughs> what? Why don't I look over there? Stop looking over there. Just stop it. I oh, no, no, know why you're telling me to not look. Just quit it. Like, you don't do that. You know what you do? Hey, it's like children. You know what you do? You distract them. You say, come on over here. Come look over here. And guess what? When you come over there, it gets them away from here. Hey, watch this. How do you live holy? You walk by the Spirit. You say, Holy Spirit, what do you want to do? And watch this. The Spirit leads you out of filth. The Spirit leads you out of addictions. The Spirit leads you into change. You don't change yourself. If you could, you would have. You can't. How many know you focus on trying to change? You just get worse. Like, I ain't drinking anymore. I ain't drinking more. Next week, you got a booze fest. Okay, it's like, (laughs) what's going on? Why? Because you can't do it. So you're going to get into God's word. You let God's word just begin to start speaking to you. And then you're going to wake up every morning. You're literally going to wake up every morning. You go, God, whatever your spirit wants me to do today, I want to be led by your spirit. You're not focusing on the bad. You're focusing on Jesus. You're focusing on the spirit of God. Lead me today. Help me today. Guide me today. Walk with me today. May I walk in relationship with you? Because watch, watch, this is huge here. Because it's not about behavior modification. It's about spiritual transformation. And spiritual transformation only happens happens when you walk with the Spirit. He invites you. Watch this. It's so cool. Jesus comes to you and says, hey, we got to deal with this. I love how so good God is. We got to deal with this. Because what you're doing is killing you. And we got to deal with this. And if you'll be humble enough to say, God, help me deal with this. Watch this. Then God invites you into intimate relationship with him. Remember, it's not rules. It's not try harder. It's not do more. It's come to me and I'll fix this. Come to me and I'll help you. Come to me and you'll get delivered of that. Come to me. But how many know we got to come? We got we to gotta take some steps. We got to keep in step with the Holy Spirit. Everybody getting me? Yes. Number four, we gotta receive the grace of God. <sighs> Titus two eleven through 14, for the grace of God has been revealed, bringing salvation to all people. That's positional holiness. I'm saved because of the grace of God. And now, because you're saved because of the grace of God, and we are now instructed because I'm a follower of Jesus to turn from godless living and sinful pleasures. So I'm grateful for the grace of God that saved me. But now the grace of God says, hey, guess what? I not only saved you, I'm now going to change you. And let, let's, let's read the rest of the verse. And we should live in this evil world with wisdom, righteousness, and, come on, and? It's all about relationship, y'all. I want you to hear me. God is not trying to condemn you to change. He's inviting you to change. Devotion to God devotion to God. While we look forward with the hope to that wonderful day when the glory of our God and Savior Christ Jesus will be revealed. And he goes on and he says, and he, speaking of Jesus, gave his life to free us from every kind of sin, to cleanse us, and to make us his very own people totally committed to doing good deeds. The same grace that saved you is the same grace that changes you. Grace, I love, Pastor Bell used to say this all the time, grace is God's riches at Christ's expense. But I I love to say it this way as well. Grace is when what you ought to do becomes what you want to do. I don't have to because I'm trying to earn anything. I get to because I already got everything. I'm already holy before the Lord. If you've said yes to Jesus, you're already holy before the Lord. And how many know we just need our personal holiness to line up with our true identity now. We just need our personal holiness to come underneath that. And if your personal holiness looks different than your actual positional holiness, then you, by the Holy Spirit, he's inviting you to receive his grace that saved you, to now receive his grace to help change you. You're going to walk in the Spirit. You're going to get into God's Word and allow God's Word just to begin to bathe over you and wash all of the filthiness away. And then you're going to live in a holy fear before the Lord, and you're going to realize that positionally, I've gone from death to life. I've gone from religion to relation. I've gone from sinner to saint. I've gone from duty to delight. I've gone from have to to want to. I was once blind. Now I see. But now I see not only your goodness, but I also see my filthiness. But it doesn't push me away from you because you knew it all along. And you draw me in. And you say, let's deal with this addiction. Let's deal with this sexual perversion here. Somehow you've gotten confused. Let's talk about this. And he draws us into these. Let's deal with some of the words that are coming out of your mouth. Let's deal with your anger issues. Let's deal with some of these insecurities. And the Holy Spirit starts pointing on these things. Watch this. The Holy Spirit doesn't point on things in your heart to condemn you. He points things in your heart to heal you. So he says, come, 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 come. Come, come, all who are weary and heavy burden. And I'm going to give you rest, not just physical rest, but emotional rest and soul rest and spiritual rest. Like, come, I'm going to do this in your life. And if you're here in this room, or if you're watching online, Maybe you haven't said yes to Jesus. Today's your day to say yes to Jesus. Today's that day to receive his grace and his goodness and his kindness and his gentleness. He so loves you and he's inviting you to be married to him. This is why I've been using this marriage illustration. This is really what it is. He's inviting you into relationship with him. And if, listen, if you've got shortcomings in your life, hey, guess what? And you love Jesus, guess what? Join the club. Watch this. Because the best of men are men at best. And I don't care if I got the word pastor in front of my name. That still applies to me. That I've got to stand before the Lord and repent of things in my own heart when I do things that don't honor him. All this week, I was just standing before the Lord asking, God, would you just purge my heart? God, I want a pure heart before you. God, would you help create in me, as David said, right? Create in me a clean heart show, reveal anything that's within me. If you're here in this room right now and you know that this message is for you, God's calling you to walk in holiness and you have not. There's been some area, some attitude and some action that has not honored God. And you know, if you stood before the Lord right now, yes, maybe you are saved, that's true. But the honest truth is, is if you're continuing living in a lifestyle of perpetual, habitual sin and you could care less, you might need to rethink if you actually are saved. Because to be really, truly saved means I say yes to Jesus. doesn't mean you don't struggle. doesn't mean you don't fall. It doesn't mean you don't have all that. But by no means, we all do. But it means that I want to please God more than anybody else. I want to obey his word and submit to his word more than anybody else. And I can't do it without the grace of God. So if that's you in this, in this place, listen, there is no shame in this place, but you recognize that is you and that is for you. And that God is calling you in this moment. I don't want you to be embarrassed and I don't want you to be ashamed. Ain't nobody got time for that. Stand up right now if that's you. Stand up, stand up, stand up, stand up, stand up, stand up, all across this room. Stand up, stand up, stand up. God is inviting you into freedom. He's inviting you into healing. He's inviting you into restoration. He's inviting you into this. He's inviting you. He's not condemning you. There may be some conviction there, but he's calling you into this because he sees what you're doing, and he knows that it's hurting your relationship with God today. If that's you standing up all across this room, would you just lift your hands all across this room? And I'm going to invite just our prayer team, our staff, or different people just to go around this room right now, just to go find someone in this room. Just begin to go pray. Just begin to pray. Just begin to pray. Actually, if that's you, I want you to come forward. You come stand out, Step out. Come on. Come on. Step Step out. Step out. Step out. Come on. Come forward. Come forward. Forward, come forward, come forward, come forward, come forward. If that's you, come on, come on, come on, come on. I know we got a packed house, but you can come. We wanna pray with you. This is, this is your moment. I'm gonna have our worship team lead us in a moment right here of just worship. If that's you, man, I just want more of God. I need more of God. I need more of God. I believe, come on, there's freedom in this house. There's deliverance in this house. You may have to step out. Listen, you ain't embarrassing anything. God knows, God knows, God knows. God knows. So Father, right now, come on, just lift your hands all across this room. Father, right now, Lord, we just thank you. Thank you for your grace and your mercy. Thank you for your love that draws us to you. You draws us to you. God, thank you, Lord, that we wanna walk in a place of holiness before you. God, we want to walk in purity before you. God, we want to walk in pursuit of you. Lord, we thank you that your spirit and your word and your grace gives us the ability to walk into that today. So, God, I pray over your people, Lord, that you would begin to just release freedom in their life. Freedom in their life.